The Song of Songs is a love song between King Solomon and his bride. Someone we, we don't know her name, we only know her by her title, the Shulamite. But it more fully serves as depicting the relationship between Christ and his bride, whom we don't know her name, we only know her by her title, the church. And this song goes in a spiral. It cycles through courtship, through wedding, and through the consummation of the marriage several times until we see the, the couple in wedded bliss, again cycling through themes of their love. And this text that we have before us this evening is the clearest text in the Song of Songs that depicts the wedding event of King Solomon and his bride, the Shulamite. Now, weddings in ancient Israel were quite the event, uh, and no less so for this king, this richest king to have ever served over Israel. And this is how weddings would go. The, crew, the groom and his friends would, would go, and they would travel to the bride's home where she'd be waiting and she'd be adorned uh, with, with jewels, and a veil was over her face. And the groom and, and all of his friends would be, would be singing and dancing along the way, processing through the town, uh, dancing on their way there, where they'd go get her and then escort her back, bring her back to, to his home. Uh, and when she entered his home, uh, they were married. And so here, while the Shulamite watches with all her bridesmaids, her groom comes riding on in glory. And this is the description of the wedding procession when the bridegroom is coming to join himself forever to his bride. And first, we have a picture of the bridegroom coming out of the wilderness like columns of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all the fragrant powders of a merchant. Now, myrrh and frankincense, you, you probably think of the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus uh, when he was a young uh, boy in Bethlehem. And, 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 and I'll get to that again later on. But this column of smoke there, too, uh, now maybe that should make us think of the, the, the pillar of cloud. So when God redeemed his people from Egypt and, and brought them through the wilderness to the promised land, uh, we're told that Christ led them by night in a pillar of fire, but by day in a pillar of cloud. All the meanwhile, throwing the Egyptian army that was following them into a panic. And the people of Israel, for millennia later, would consider this, this event, this, this salvation from, the, uh, from Egypt, the Exodus, as the moment when they were wed or married to the Lord. And in fact, the prophet Jeremiah records God as confirming this. God confirms through Jeremiah that the Exodus is indeed his wedding to his people. Now, our modern Christian weddings are usually kicked off by what? A procession. The, the bride processes down the aisle to her bridegroom, and her parents would be the one to, to give her uh, to, to the one that would be her husband. And we practice this as a reflection of the same thing. God's bridegroom being given away from the people uh, from amongst whom she formerly lived. So in Israel's case, Egypt and the wilderness, 
And in the church's case, our case, the wilderness of this world and our sin. And we are given to Christ. And as the Lord brought his bride out of the wilderness to be united to himself, so now we see in this wedding Solomon has his bride carried out of the wilderness to himself. She's being carried. And note that Solomon, what the Shulamite, sorry, sees and is about to be carried away on the litter of Solomon. Uh, that sounds kind of funny, uh, but what it really is, it's a palanquin, and that sounds funny too, but it's a, it's a couch or fancy chair on which a dignitary would be carried. Think of the movie Aladdin. And here, Solomon's soldiers are carrying her in this palanquin and protecting her. And this is what God did for his bride, Israel, as he did everything possible in his power to keep them safe until he brought ultimately them all the way out of the wilderness into the promised land. And listen to, to what now surrounds this bride in the palanquin. Around it are 60 mighty men, some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and, swords and expert in war, each with a sword at his thigh against terror by night. This picture is very similar to that of the people of Israel as they were about to overtake the city of Jericho and go into the promised land after the long journey in the wilderness. It was the last thing they had to do, overtake the city of Jericho. And they surrounded it like an army. And they were experts in war and they had, they had their swords at their thigh. They never used them. Instead, they carried in procession the Ark of the Covenant, just like they would a palanquin. And this is where God dwelt with his people, the Ark, which was placed in the tabernacle. And eventually, he marched around the city and the city fell. The church, by the, the bride of Christ, is where God dwells today with his people. It's the new ark. And he himself is the one that's protecting it. God himself is protecting this institution where he himself dwells. And in this first section of this text, we hear about the palanquin of the bride. But in this next section, we hear about the palanquin of the groom, the bridegroom, Solomon. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. In fact, if we listen to the description of his carriage, it sounds like something else. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its posts of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. The tabernacle was made out of pillars of cedar. Cedar is the type of wood that grows in Lebanon. And the tabernacle was overlaid with silver and gold. The tabernacle was decorated on the interior by people of Jerusalem, the daughters of Jerusalem, uh, with love, each according to their own artistic talents. And so, too, when Solomon's temple was built, it, too, was fashioned after the tabernacle. So we see in Solomon's carriage here, 
a picture of the place where God would meet his people. And in the Shulamite's carriage or palanquin, a picture of the way that God brought his people back to himself. And so we are called now to look upon King Solomon and see our bridegroom coming. And with what glory. He comes crowned. And the song itself portrays the wedding as a, as a kind of coronation, an event that inaugurates this king's reign in a new way as he establishes a new relationship with us. And this truly ought to remind us of Christ. He is the Son of God, the Lord who has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, at whose name every knee should bow in heaven and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we confess in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus is true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, meaning that he has this rule and authority from before the foundation of the world, equal in Godhead to the Father. But we also confess in the Creed that he is my Lord. And we truly see how Jesus' reign changed in regard to us. He's always ruled creation. He's always ruled creation with his power. But when he took on flesh, when he dwelt among us, as the Apostle John says, when he became a baby, a man, he received a new crown, a crown of thorns, symbolic of his new relationship to us. He had humbled himself, even to the point of death, joining his flesh to ours in marriage so that he could establish his kingdom, not, not just of power, but of grace, his kingdom of grace. And now we are his subjects no longer in terror, but in joy, for in his death on the cross we are forgiven. Therefore, see the bridegroom coming. He came once thousands of years ago in a tabernacle, uh, that is where he dwelt among us. That's what the word uh, means, dwelt among us. He literally tabernacled among us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. God took on our flesh. He rode in a wedding procession into Jerusalem with palms waving the way as he's riding a, a humble beast. And he's in our flesh in our flesh for his coronation, his wedding, to take on our debt upon himself in his crucifixion. The temple and the tabernacle where God dwelt among men were symbols of Christ. They were symbols of Christ who was to come and who literally dwelt among us by his incarnation, by his taking on our flesh. And so he is truly the bridegroom who will come again with his glorious crown to rule us over us in his kingdom of glory and eternal life. But not only that, he still comes to us today. He comes even now. He comes to us in the means of grace, in baptism, in the word of God, and in the Lord's Supper. All these through which Christ the bridegroom claims his church, claims us 
as his own bride and unites himself to us. Christ comes to us through these means. And see again how the bride is presented to her bridegroom. He's perfumed, she's perfumed with myrrh and frankincense and, and all the fragrant powders of a merchant. That is who we are, the bride of Christ, the church for whom Christ gave himself into death on the cross so that Ephesians 5 says that he might sanctify her, us, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And just meditate on this for a moment. Isn't it such a wonder that the bride, the church, smells just as Jesus did when he was a child, when he was visited by the wise men, and then when he had died when he's visited by, or as, as the women were, were going to his tomb to bring those same spices, myrrh and frankincense, to anoint him in his burial. We smell the same way as Christ. In our marriage to our holy bridegroom, he has taken on himself our sin and our debt and our death. And we have taken on on ourselves, his holiness, his life, and his fragrance. We are married to him by baptism, the word of God and the sacrament of the altar. And so united to him, we rejoice on this, the day of our wedding, when he comes to us through these humble but glorious things. And as it's described also for the bridegroom who, who looks on his bride with such love as the day of the gladness of his heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.